you have your Bibles, get your Bibles. We're going to be in Matthew. We're going to be in Acts a little bit today. I'm probably not going to read a whole lot of those scriptures. I'm just going to refer to these areas. But Acts will be in a lot of different areas in the book today. Acts 5. Acts 1 and 18. Matthew 27. If you want to find those, you can. You don't have to. I'll, I'll make mention of them again. Acts 7. But our text is coming from Matthew today. Praise God. I want to say a little something here, if I can. I guess I've been kind of doing that already. But we really, we really better start thinking about heaven. Sir, you better start thinking about heaven. Ma'am, you better start thinking about heaven. Young people, listen to Pastor Darren this morning. I feel like I'm your age, but I'm not. I'm 40. Start thinking about heaven. I know it's all about, it's all about school. It's all about education. It's all about pride. And I'm for all of those things. But we better start thinking about heaven. Every decision we make better be concerning heaven. Everything. If we, if we think on anything, if we think on anything, heaven better be right there with it. I'm going to do this. Well, if I do this, could this affect heaven for me? Amen. I, it's been talked about. We're not promised tomorrow, and I'm, I'm going to kind of mention this stuff today. Life is what here to what here today, gone tomorrow. So I'm glad that we're making all of our money. I'm glad we got our good jobs. And I get it. I get it. People say, well, Pastor Darren, if I didn't work my job, I wouldn't be able to turn my tide. I wouldn't be able to give my... Listen, and I told somebody this week, I made up in my mind a long time ago because a long, long time ago, Truth Church, we had a mass exodus, and it, it really hurts a pastor. It hurts a family. It hurts people when that happens. And I saw it begin to tear down family, and I saw it begin to tear down even Bishop and Sister Gilbert. And I, at a young age, didn't say much about it. You know, I didn't know. I was young. I was a dumb young kid. But when I started to study the Bible, the Bible either is true or it's not true, and I believe it's true. And the Bible tells me that he'll never leave his seed begging for bread. Amen? And if he'll never leave his seed begging for bread, then we're going to continue to do the will of God no matter what anybody else does. Amen? And so I say that to say this, no one person makes this place work. Only God makes this place work. Amen? And a man that, that I do esteem and I'm thankful for, and he, he made mention in a meeting that I was in, I was a part of a youth committee years ago, Sister Ginger, my beautiful wife that's here today, thankful she's here. Amen. You need to be here next week for Mother's Day. We were in a meeting. We, we were 635, 75 at a, a Wyndham that used to be right there. And this man, he spoke it to our, our committee that was there that day. And he gave the concept of pastoring with an open hand. And he said, I pastor with an open hand. He said, what I 
understand, I've come to the realization through studying, just reading, and through life that anything that God, anything that I have, God has given me. He's placed it in my care. He's given me the opportunity to oversee as a shepherd. And he said, so I have made up my mind to pastor with an open hand. And I made up in my mind that day that I would do the same thing if I was ever to be a pastor someday. What are you talking about, Pastor Darren? So I'm talking about this. If God begins to move in someone's life and calls them into ministry and calls them away, I'm not going to hog tie them and steer wrestle them. And if I don't know what that is, just go look it up. It's a thing. And steer wrestle them and, and have a header and a, te- a what's it called? A header and a healer that, uh, no, you're not going anywhere. No, I'm gonna, if God has said that, God's done that, I believe it, I'm with, go. But then also, this is my experience through the years. There are those that get miffed at you. Can't believe pastors said that. I don't like anybody in that church. Because we're going to be in the will of God. Now, I understand. I understand that Darren sometimes says Darren stuff and doesn't say God stuff because I'm human and that just usually happens sometimes. It's the foolishness of preaching, all right? Sometimes you say dumb stuff and you get home and you're like, holy moly, I can't believe I said that. But my hope and my goal is to always be in the book and Lord, guide me and lead me. And if some people don't like it, then I have to be okay with saying, Lord, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away or the Lord gets them out of here. Amen. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I hope no one needed to hear that, but that just kind of came out. I don't even know where I was going with that, but there we go. Praise the Lord. Matthew 10. Matthew 10. Again, to all of our guests, there are many guests in the house today. We are so thankful that you're here today. Matthew 10, verse 28. And fear not them. Somebody say them. Fear not them which kill the body. Look at your name and say, don't be afraid. Fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. And you need to listen to this part right here. It's a one scripture, ladies and gentlemen. But rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Praise God. Somebody say Jesus is real. Somebody say the devil is real. Somebody say heaven is real. And hell is real. Today I understand that it is the beginning of May flowers. April showers bring May flowers. April showers brings life. And I'm excited about life today. I really am. I'm excited that today I believe it and I am hoping in the name of Jesus. Only God gives a good gift, but 
I'm hoping that God fills somebody with the Holy Ghost today. Amen. And I'm thankful for that. But today, I'm going to preach on this thought. How will you die? How will you die? I know it's kind of downtrodden, if you will, for Mayflower's Day, but it's a question that we better start asking ourselves and we better start getting ready for. Jesus, we thank you for your word today. Thank you for every man and woman that is in this house, every person that is in this place today, every guest, every person that calls Truth Church their home, those that are contemplating that in the name of Jesus, Lord, those that are hungry and thirsty for righteousness, fill them today in the name of Jesus Christ. Your word declares if they're hungry and they're thirsty, they shall be filled. And, Lord, I'm hoping and I'm praying and I'm believing that that will be done in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, help all of us before we leave this place today. Help us be able to answer the question, how are we going to die? In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we honor you and we praise your name. And the church says amen. Do me one favor, if you would, turn around. And if you're comfortable in doing this, shake someone's hand. Tell them you're glad to see them at church today. And you may be seated. Praise God. Again, truth, praise. Thank you so very much for ushering in the presence of the Lord. If you or I were to uh, read various scriptures that are ascribed to our King, our Savior, Jesus Christ, and you didn't know that it was Jesus Christ who was doing the talking, you would think that in each case it was a different person. He became, in the Bible, virtually, according to the Word of God, all things to all men that he might save some. Amen? He became all things to all men that he might save some. Some examples. We see him with Nicodemus, and he is the counseling Christ. Counsels with him. We see him with the woman at the well, and he is the Christ that is concerned. He is wondering. He's, he is wondering about her life and concerned about her life. And we see him as he weeps over Jerusalem, and he is the compassionate Christ. And I just want to take a moment right there, and I don't need to take time on it, but I'm thankful that I have a God. We, we heard about it. Amen. He still weeps. Amen. He is touched by the feelings of our infirmities. Praise God. When he rides into Jerusalem, he is the conquering Christ. And when he preaches the Sermon on the Mount, he is the challenging Christ. And I believe today that with what I'm going to preach to us this morning, that most definitely it's a challenge. And I hope and pray, men, I'm, I'm going to talk to some men today. I hope that you can answer the question, how will you die? No, I'm not talking about the actual 
encounter of whatever it is. Maybe it's a disease or maybe, God forbid, or maybe it's a car wreck, God forbid, or maybe it's just old age. I'm not talking about that particular moment or that particular thing that causes you to go out, but how will you die? In what manner will you die? Amen. And that's what I want us to talk about today. Now, Christ is pretty amazing. Can I get an amen? amen? He takes on sort of a military mindset, if you will, and he comes to believers and he speaks to us and he commands things from us. If you didn't know that, he does. He commands things of us. There's things in the Bible that are not just if you want to. There's, he, there's some things, yes, he can't make you, amen. He's not going to make you or he's not going to make me abide by anything or do anything because he gives us the freedom to choose. But our God, our God has things in the word of God that are sort of that military, have that military bearing on them, if you will. You're going, this is what you better do. This is one of them. Come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord. That is not a suggestion. That is a command. Amen? Praise God. We must obey these commands. We must listen to these commands. Starting with the first verse in Matthew 10. With the first verse he tells the disciples you can expect this and you can expect that and then in the 27th verse he switches and more or less he is saying that I have told you up to now that it is for your own good for your own use what I tell you now I want I want proclaimed Everywhere. So, what I've told you, you know, it's for your own good. You should probably do this. But this thing that I'm about to tell you, I want it proclaimed to everybody. I want everybody to know. I want, I want your sons, your daughters, your aunts, your uncles. I want your job. I want everyone to know. It should become a part of your preaching agenda. Somebody say amen. amen. This information is not for just the select few, but it is for everybody. And the first thing that he says is this, and fear not them. And fear not them. He starts off by saying, don't fear natural death. The reason he does that, ladies and gentlemen, is because death comes to everybody. Death comes to everybody. Death is the great debater, if you will. Death is the great conqueror. Death always has the final word. Everybody lift your muscle up like this. Flex real hard. Mine's little than it used to be. 
Praise God. <laughs> You're not strong enough. Just bear with me. We're going, we're going to be a 747 today and not a helicopter, but you're not strong enough to wrestle away death. Amen? I know we think we are. We think we're invincible, but we're not strong enough to wrestle away death from our doorstep. You're not smart enough to outwit death, if you will. Nobody in this place is strong enough or smart enough to get away from death. You're not, you're not eloquent enough in your words. You can't, you can't talk your way out of death. Death is coming to everybody. And this is the thing about death. You know, we, we've marked this up for hide and seek. Ready or not, here I come. Death, ready or not, it's going to come. I know, I told you. I know it's April showers, bring May flowers. It's supposed to be life day, but no, it's today we're not talking about that. Death, young people, comes to us all. I was reminded yesterday as I pulled in to Tishomingo to go partake of God's mud bug, and it was absolutely wonderful. Can I get amen? amen. If you don't know what mud bugs are, it was crawfish, and we got to eat some of those. Thanks to Brother Rawls, wherever he's at. But I was reminded, young people, as my family and I drove past the six crosses that were at an intersection where six young people in a moment's time were snatched. Probably seen it. It made national news from what I understand. Death is just something we just do not like to face, but we must. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to face death. Death is on its way. Some of you are like, oh, I know it is. In the 5,000 years or more of man's history, death has been fairly certain in an experience that we're going to experience. Amen? Somebody say death. I know it just sounds so, yeah. Only two men have escaped death in all the history of mankind. Enoch and Elijah. And they might not always escape death for they may by the two prophets spoken in Revelation, they will be slain in the streets of Jerusalem. They may yet face death. We don't know. But the Bible says it is appointed. Somebody say appointed. appointed. Unto every man once to die. And listen to me. After this, the judgment. So let's just stop for a moment. I'll get back to notes in a minute. It's appointed once to die. You know, we like to make ourselves feel good. We come to a funeral. They're up in glory today. 
Ladies and gentlemen, that's not biblical, ladies and gentlemen. Amen. It's not biblical. They're going to be in the ground. And then judgment day is coming. And the Bible says the dead in Christ shall rise first. So let's think about that for a moment. What's going to rise? Their body's not going to rise. The when, when the rapture, the body is going to turn back to the dust from whence it was made. You've read the scripture. One's going to be plowing in the field. and Closer there, where's he at? I doubt it close even be there. There's going to be nothing. It makes us feel good. And I, I hope I'm not hurting anybody's feelings this morning. But the dead in Christ shall rise first. And then those which are, will be, what's going to be caught up? This or the soul? And then there's going, exactly, no flesh. And then there's going to be judgment. Ladies and gentlemen, judgment's going to come. And he's going to judge us, listen to me, how we lived in this. Holy moly, I'm about to preach right now. No matter how long a person lives, there is an inevitable end, and that end is death. Look at your neighbor and ask him, how are you going to die? The genealogies as we get into in Genesis, whew, it's real fun, I promise, if you've never read I don't even like to say this, but a lot of people, I've heard, I've heard people say this, and so that's why it's here. Oh, man, I hate that. I don't hate the Bible, okay? But it's not a whole lot of fun, all right, to, to read that particular part. But listen, just, just listen to it for a second. And he died. It talks about Adam, and it says he lived, in which, mind you, I'm making like jokes about 40, but listen to this guy. <laughs> and he lived 930 years, and he died. Then the catalog goes on about Seth, and he died, and Enos, and he died, and he died, and on and on and on and on. Forget not, O oh man, for this is true. Though you forget death, Death, don't forget about you and me. We read it in that genealogy that death, it's going to happen. Doesn't matter if you're living 930 or you're living 40, God forbid, or you're living 50 or 70 or 80, death is coming. Your pathway may be long or it may be short. But at the end of it lies death. Unless the rapture takes us home first. When you think, just think that we are only promised three score and ten years. That ain't too long. So the fact that you are going to die doesn't matter. Jesus said, Fear not death. 
But what is important, and I want you to hear me right now. What is important is the condition that you are going to be in at the time of your death. What condition will your soul be in at the time of the death of your flesh, your body? So, brothers and sisters, I know I'm, I'm going a little slow today, and I'm usually a little more passionate, kicking my heels up and all that kind of stuff. But listen to me for a moment. There needs to be a message like this because we got to start thinking. We got to start using the brain that God gave us to start thinking about eternity. We learned just the other day that the future's not ours. The future is in the hand of the Lord. The only thing that we can even do anything about is the right now. And so again, I bring you a message today about the right now. How are you going to die? Life is but a vapor. Here today, gone tomorrow. You just heard me say that. It's here today, gone tomorrow. So what do I got to do? I got to worry about today. And I got to worry about, listen, I've got to set myself on a trajectory. I've got to set myself on a path, ladies and gentlemen. That says, I can't control what happens up there. But brother Ken, I'm going to start making decisions now. I'm going to start focusing now. I'm going to make a decision now to come out from among them and be separate. I'm going to make a decision now that I'm going to start reading my Bible. I'm going to start praying. I'm going to start not forsaking the assembly of yourselves together. That's hogwash, ladies and gentlemen. Maybe you have friends that tell you that it's not important to go to church. Read the Bible. Forsake not the assembly of yourselves together as the manner of some is. And then it goes on to tell you that guess what? As we see the day approaching, that's going to get worse. People are going to be lovers of themselves more than they love God. Praise God. Let's go back to our notes. What is important? The condition that we're in. We'll take a look at some places in the Bible of how people die. Not how they lived, but how they died, how they passed from the life that they were in at that very moment. And I understand that we can't become a part of every one of these scriptures, every one of these instances that I'm going to talk about in the Bible today. It's impossible, it's already gone, but I hope that we can say, you know something, I see myself there, so I better start doing things different, or I see myself there, so I'm going to keep on this trajectory. I see myself here, so I mean, I better tighten up in this area, I better fix this thing, I better talk to God about this, I better ask God to help change me, I better get accountability. No, we can't get in these scriptures and live the lives that they lived and die how they died, but we can get our little checkbox out and say, man, okay, I'm, I'm doing that, and man, I'm not doing that, I better start doing that because that, that person died this way and I don't want to die that way. Praise God. Would you lift your hands just for a moment? 
Come on, all across this building, lift your hands right now. The Spirit is beginning to speak in this house right now. There's some of you that have been hard-nosed, if you will. You've been hard, a hard shell to crack, but I'm praying that today that that shell will crack, but you're the only one that's going to allow it to happen. I can't do it. I can't lay my hands on your head enough. I can't pray hard enough or loud enough. I can't scream at you enough to make it happen. Only you can make the decision right now. What must I do to be saved? What must I do to make my calling and my election sure? What must I do to get things right? For when I die, I'll die how God intended me to die. I told you at the beginning of service, he knows the plans that he has for us they're of good and not of evil to give us an expected end somebody shout end to give us an expected end he has it down so take you to Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter 5 the greatest revival the greatest revival that Jerusalem ever saw was that revival that began on the day of Pentecost the Bible says 3,000. Look it up. Find it for yourself. 3,000 souls were added to the church. Man, Jesus, let that happen today, right now. Woo! Don't you feel it? I do too. It'd be awesome. 3,000 were added to the church. Then the Bible says they were added to the church daily such that should be saved. That means after Sunday morning, if you will, they had 3,000, and then every day out there added to the church daily. Man, I want to have a revival like that. Anybody else? <laughs> I'm serious. I know it's kind of funny sounding, but I want to have a revival like that. And I, to be quite honest, I believe we could when we really start acting like the disciples did and go out of the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in and we start living with our death in mind. You know something? I'm dying, so I ain't got very long. I'm dying, so I better make sure I get things ready. I'm dying, so I better tell somebody about Jesus. Yeah. Brother Jonathan said it in our dream team. That was free. That wasn't even in my notes this morning. There's a rhythm in the early chapters of the book of Acts. Revival, revival, revival again, revival, revival, revival. And if you read it, it's more and more and more revival. Until you come to the fifth chapter and it does not fit in. Revival seems to come to a halt. But actually, hear me right now. It is just changes in the character <laughs> there had to be and I'm going to try my best to get past this point if I don't then that'll be alright there had to be a dealing with some things in the church before there could be continual revival or continued revival hear me ladies and gentlemen God had to kill two people <laughs> praise God we'll stop there for a moment revival, 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 revival and then wedged in the middle here there was something that wasn't too reviving he had to deal with some stuff. Brother Marks was here. He made a statement about some are on the fringes 
you're on your way out anyway. And I'm not shoving anybody out of the church today. I am hoping that I can reach for you to cause you to get serious about some things. Because this is what happens when people try to do it on their own. When people try to figure things out on their own. When people try to sustain themselves instead of letting God sustain them. God has to deal with it. And if you'll continue reading after this, revival continues to happen, ladies and gentlemen. So what does that tell you and me? God will stop and wedge something that shouldn't be in the story so he can continue to have revival and get things out of the way that are going to hinder that revival. They had to be a dealing with some things in the church before it could continue revival. God had to kill the two people. Now, if you'll just go with me for a moment to Jerusalem. We see that there is great excitement among the church people. Someone has the idea to, for the people to sell all of their possessions and bring them to the apostles. There is no record that God ever told them to do this. Ananias and Sapphira were caught up in the moment. They sold some of their land and they had told the apostle Peter that this is the whole amount that we received, but it was a lie. It was actually half. And the Bible says that they were struck dead. Not because they only gave half, but because they lied to the Holy Ghost. But the question is, how did they die? Ananias and Sapphira, they died unclean. Church, they died unclean. And my question right now in this building today is how will you die? If you were to die right now, this very moment, would you die unclean? If there be any wicked way in you, oh man, let's ask God to cleanse us. Let's ask God to purify us. Oh, I, well, I did this yesterday, or I, I did this last night. Listen to me right now. If it smells like the world, if it looks like the world, if it acts like the world, if it's anything to do with the world, it is unclean. Hear me. You cannot go step into the world and do everything that the world does and then die and then expect not because Darren said so or True Church said so and expect brother Jonathan for heaven to be my home because it's contrary to the book if I believe that because there's going to be nothing there that looks like smells like acts like anything like this present world So, how did they die? 
they died unclean. The trouble is we are unclean by nature. Isaiah said, all our righteousness is as filthy rags in the sight of God. <laughs> Listen to me. I'm going to preach for a moment. I don't know if I'm going to get done with this because we're already too late. The leopards cry unclean. Unclean is on our lips. David said, listen to this, if I regard iniquity in my heart. That means I didn't even say it with my mouth. It was right here. I want to I want to kill that person. I hate that person's guts. Mm. If I could do to them what they did to me. Oh, rage and anger. Bitterness. Hatred. David said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, I am cut off from the fellowship with God. So how do you feel about that loved one that did you wrong? How do you feel about that person that you used to go to church with that said something about you and you've been holding on to it for 17, 18, 25, 30 years? So it happens. So there's divorce that happens. And everything made it right, so you got married. And that person got married. But in the depths of your spirit, man, if he got hit by a truck tomorrow, I would not care. I'd probably jump for joy. and quiet today y'all ain't used to all this because I don't do this very often I hate my dad because he did this I hate my brother because he did this I hate my sister because she did this David said if I regard iniquity in my heart I am cut off from fellowship with God. So that would be considered unclean. Now we think about the mud pit. I got it on my shoes and I got it on my, my clothes so I'm dirty. No, ladies and gentlemen, a lot of times it's in here and it's in here. I would dare say majority of the time it's in here and in here. John said, little children, I write these things unto you that you sin not. But if you sin, you have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. But what good is an advocate if you don't go to him? We grab our anger and bitterness and we... I'm mad at everybody. I hate everybody. Act like the bulldog in the neighborhood. No, he's just a young preacher. He don't know very much about how life really works. Shut. Anyways. Yes. 
you got stuck there. So yes, what I was about to say is grow up. You got stuck there in that place. And you can't get past it. But all you got to do is say, Jesus, I need you to help me. I got this uncleanliness inside of me and I've been living with it for years and I don't want to be unclean because if I was to die tomorrow, would I go to heaven? Well, the Bible tells me that I don't have any fellowship with God so I can tell you, how are you going to die? And I speak to somebody today, if we're going to have revival, don't let God kick you out. Don't let God tell you you got to go. Don't let God kill you off so revival can continue. Why don't you go to the throne room of God and say, God, create in me a clean heart. Renew in me a right spirit. Cast me not away from you. I want to be a part of revival. Jesus name. Praise God. What should be the greatest punishment for us as Christians? Should it be taking our possessions. No. He should have all his treasures in heaven. Should it be separate him from his family? No. Because we are a part of the family of God and we can never be separated from God. Amen. He is our father. Should it be kill him? No. The Bible says if I'm absent from the body I'm present with the Lord. The greatest, <laughs> oh, praise God. The greatest punishment, ladies and gentlemen, for Christians is sin. That's it. Sin is the greatest punishment. Why, Pastor Darren? Because sin keeps me from Him. Sin keeps me from heavenly places. Sin keeps me from being with him on what is called streets of gold and walls of jasper and gates of pearl. Sin alienates me from God. Take my family. No, that's not the greatest punishment. Take my life. No, that's not the greatest punishment. The greatest punishment is sin. Sin should. This is what sin should do. And I'm going to tell you something. Pastor Darren, have you ever sinned? Yes, I've sinned. Have I ever done wrong? Yes, I'm human just like you're human. I've done things I shouldn't have done. But again, in my old age, I have tried my best and I still try and I still fail and I still have to come to the altar. Like last night, I just, Lord, I'm going to preach this tomorrow. I'm going to declare this word tomorrow. But Lord, I know that I'm human and I've failed. Created me a clean heart. And I yell it and I scream it and I'm God. Purify me, Lord. Change me. Lord, cleanse me with his sub God. I don't want to preach to others and I myself become a castaway. God, cleanse me. And the reason that I did that because sin should crush you. When you, listen, we think sin, you know, I cheated or I stole or I, or I thought a bad thing. Yes, but you know what sin is? Also, neglecting God. 
I'm not going to ask the question, but I want to. But I know my friend, Brother Mark Brown, did one time, and he said it crushed me, Darren. When I asked what was supposed to be a Holy Ghost-filled church, how many of you prayed every day this week? And he told them beforehand, be honest. I don't want you to do that right now. And he said, I was astonished that the lack of hands that were raised. That's neglect. Is that sin? Yes, it's sin. He wants to commune with you and he wants to commune with me. It's important. I said it's important, ladies and gentlemen. It's important to commune with God. It's important to talk to God. It's important to have that relationship with Jesus Christ. As much as it is important to preach about outward holiness and outward sin, it is just as important, if not more important, to preach about <laughs> the sin that is not inward. I mean, not outward, but that's inward. It's easy because we point, well, they're doing this and they're doing that, and, and you shouldn't do that. I preach about that stuff. But I'm not preaching about that right now. I'm preaching about the inward things. I'm preaching about malice. I'm preaching about bitterness. I'm preaching about hatred. I'm preaching about all, all of those things. I'm preaching about that neglect. I'm preaching about those things that we do not regard as big sins or sins at all. And we categorize them as I just did as, as big or little. But sin is sin is sin. And today I'm telling you that it is just important to preach about the things that are outward as it is to preach about the things that are inward. And I want us to search ourselves today. I want us to look at the deep places of our heart. Our spiritual man is very, very, very important and we better look at the inside of our heart and say, God, am I ready to die? If I'm not ready to die, God, purify me. Make me new. Wash me clean. Do something in me that only you can do. There are some sins that are sins of the heart. God has given us something to help us through every experience. To lead humanity out of the blinding mist of this old life. God has given us the power of faith. Somebody say faith. It's that faith has been given us to aid us in putting one foot on the wrecked and the broken ideas of the past and somehow be able to build anew. God has given us the power of hope. Somebody say hope. To be able to move forward and do more. I, I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know where it's going to come from. I don't know how I could ever do this, but I've got hope in Jesus Christ. I've got hope of glory. I've got hope in life beyond what I've done. I lived a whole life that was an ailment that was gross in the sights of God. But I have hope that I'm going to be new. I got hope that there's going to be a place called glory and I'm going to abide with Jesus for all eternity there. Amen. To be able to sweeten our journey through life, God has given us the power of love. Somebody say love. love. 
here at Truth Church, we try to put this in everyone's mind, to love God, to serve others, to live for God, and to share with others. God has given us the power of love. Oh, hallelujah. But to scrape out the cobwebs of malice and hate, God has given us the unique power that no one else has. The power. We heard about it during our time with Brother Marks. Power to forgive. Somebody say forgive. Where would we be in this world <laughs> if there were not for forgiveness? Where would we be if we did not have forgiveness? We couldn't go out of our doors if it weren't for forgiveness. We could not walk the streets if it were not for forgiveness. We would constantly be at each other's throats if it were not for forgiveness. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that we have the power to forgive. Ma'am, everybody close their eyes for a moment. You don't got to be alarmed or be scared. We got a safety team that's looking out for you. Ma'am, where would you be if you could not have forgiven him? Sir, where would you be if you wouldn't be able to forgive her? I want to tell you, I want to tell you that forgiveness is so important. Forgiveness is something that you've got to do if you're going to die the right way. I want to ask you today, for those of you in the building, that what I just said struck a nerve in your heart and mind when I spoke the word forgiveness. I want to tell you today, you better get ready to die. And you better get ready to die correct. Die right. Ask somebody to forgive you today. Ask somebody to change you today. Go to someone today. Don't hold on to it any longer. Ask somebody to forgive you. I want to tell you this story real quick. And I know it's a silly story because it's one that I made up. <laughs> so there's a man. standing outside of his house and he is told that a flood's coming. And so all of a sudden he sees the waters. Sister Debbie began to run. And so he runs and he grabs a tree and he holds on to that tree. And he holds on to it and the water barely at the bottom of his shoes. And he holds on to that tree, holds on to that tree, the flood goes Scared him half to death, you know, so he's holding on to that tree. And Brother Trevor, the water subsides, goes down, retreats, and he's still holding on to that tree. He holds on to that tree, holds on to that tree, holds on to that tree, and continues to hold on to that tree. For years and years and years, he holds on to that tree. 
death grip holds on to that tree. No doubt, probably, this is my part of, of this particular story. I'm getting really creative here. You know how you put a rope or something in the woods. Bishop and I, when we were, when I was, a, he wasn't a kid, I was a kid. Um, we had things that we'd string up for our property line, and trees would grow around that string or grow around that rope. You've seen it. Bob wire, it's happened many times. The tree grows up. So no doubt probably the, the tree was growing around his hands because years and years held on. <clears throat> Got to hold on to this tree because he was scared to death to get down from that tree because the this happening, this turmoil, this issue, this problem that came through and destroyed everything. If I get down, it's going to destroy me again. Bystanders come by and, and a story like that's told and, and someone that lives by him says, it's true. He's been there this whole time. He's scared half to death, Jonathan, that I'm telling you, look at him. Hair's long, hadn't got a haircut in years. Hadn't eaten anything. He's famished. Ribs are showing. He's been holding on to this tree for so long. Does that sound stupid or silly? It's a more kind word. But you know what we do, ladies and gentlemen? Bitterness. Hatred. Anger. What somebody did to you what somebody said about you, we hold on to it. And we let it grow around our hands. We say the story is dumb and silly, ladies and gentlemen, but the fact of the matter is, in this place today, there is unforgiveness because you've held on to it for so long. You walk into the supermarket Well, he did this and he did that. We talk about a dumb story like that and we laugh at it. Pastor Darren, that was dumb that you said all that stuff. No, it's just as dumb that you won't forgive. It's just as dumb that you won't allow Jesus Christ, the one that is the same yesterday, today, and forever. As Brother Tech said a moment ago, he's no respecter of persons. He can cleanse you from all our unrighteousness and worldly lust. He can cleanse you from every bitterness and hatred and anything that's in your life. He can do it to the one that did it to you. He can do anything that he's ever done. If you'd let go of the tree, if you'd let go of the problem, if you'd let go of that stuff, he would come in and do a work that only he's able to do. But he can't let go of the tree for you. Yeah, we say it's silly. No one, no one could ever hold on to a tree that long. No one could do that for that long. But ma'am, you've been holding on to that for 20 years. You've been holding that grudge for 30 years. You've been, you've been so angry at that individual for 40 years. You've held on and everything's gone away. And sometimes you probably sit in your recliner, you sit in your living room, or you sit there and wonder,
What was I mad about? You just remember that you're mad, but you can't even remember the incident that made you mad. Death grip. Forgiveness could change everything. But only you and I can forgive. Only you and I can go to the person and get everything fixed. Listen, the water has gone under the bridge. It's all gone. But now it's waiting on you to forget about the problem. Forget about the issue and put it in the hands of Jesus Christ. And say, God, it's foolish for me to hold on to this. It's foolish for me to have this. It's foolish for me to take a hold of the luxury of holding a grudge. I don't want the luxury of holding a grudge. I want forgiveness to be in my heart because as long as I hold on to this, there's going to be no revival in my family. There's going to be no revival in my church. There's going to be no revival. And I'll tell you what will happen. And I'm going to be nice, but I'm going to tell you what will happen. You'll blame the church. God will open a door for you to step on out and get out of here and it'll be the church's fault. It'll be your brother's and sister's fault. And soon as you're gone because you won't let go of the death grip. Remember what I told you? As soon as they were dead, revival continued on. Sweet, you may be seated. I'm almost done. I'm not, but I'm going to be. This week, I was on YouTube again, watching some things from Brother Bernard and different ones. And Anyway, I don't know how this is a related video, but it sure did help today. Somewhere in Fort Worth, in a neighborhood, they had dammed up a pond in a neighborhood. And that pond was, you could see it, that pond had moss. That pond had, it was nasty. And they got a little wrecking ball, a small one on a little bitty backhoe. One of those ones you can rent up at Lowe's or Home Depot. And they began to do this. And they would hit that little bitty dam. And I sat there and watched it for seven minutes. I wasted seven minutes of my time so I could... Put it in here today, I guess. But here it went. And I hit the little arrows that brings down the comments. People said, well, hit swing it back further, it would happen a lot faster. Different ones. Man, if I was doing that, I could do better at it. I'm not joking. This is literal comments. Like, different ones. And I sat there and I looked at it. And as I was studying, I was like, you know something? It doesn't matter the method of getting the dam undammed. The only thing that matters is you decide to get it undammed. After they broke up that concrete, he got that little backhoe and he started moving those little pieces of concrete. And then the water began to flow freely. 
What are you trying to say, Pastor Darren? I'm trying to tell you this. How are you going to die? How will you die? Are you going to die damned up? Are you going to die mossy and messed up in life with bitterness and hatred? And that's your state of being is I'm mad. I'm ticked off. I don't like this person. This person done me wrong. I'm going to tell you something. What could heal the other person is if you went and forgave them. If you went and got on your knees and said, listen, I know I've done some stuff and I know you've done some stuff. And let me tell you something. not speaking about something that I don't know about. I'm speaking about something that I know very, 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 very much about. And it took me swallowing my pride and saying, you know something, Lord? I don't want to be what damns up revival. I don't want to be what damns up a student receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It happened to me when I was in youth ministry. I don't want to be the reason. And so I went to a person and I told him, listen, I don't charge you for anything that you hold towards me. And I don't want you to charge me for anything that I've held towards you. I forgive you. Will you forgive me? And it was that simple. And God began to do a work. God began... I can't tell you everything happened great for him or is happening great for him. But I can tell you for me that God has ordered my steps. God has showed me again and again. I'm going to build your faith. I'm going to let your wife go through something. And you went through a little bitty thing then. But if you can make it through that and you can have peace and you can have joy and you can have revival. Listen, you can make it through your wife's sickness. Your wife can make it through it. And I'm going to continue to help you. So maybe someday you can preach a message to somebody. How will you die? I could be bitter. I could be bad. I could hate the world and hate all of you. But God forgave me and I forgave somebody else. Would you stand to your feet all across the building? I'm not almost finished. I'll just touch some of these real quick. Judas, he died unfaithful, ladies and gentlemen. Make up in your mind you're not going to die unfaithful. Stephen died unafraid. That's a good one, ladies and gentlemen. Paul died unashamed. I got a lot of things to talk about that, but don't be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Young ladies, young men that are in the house, young people, die unashamed. Listen, I tried my best to tell everybody about Jesus. I, I taught as many Bible studies as I could possibly teach. Everybody in Walmart, Albertsons, Kroger, wherever you do your shopping, they knew about me and about my God. They knew about who I served. Not, I, didn't just do, I didn't take the easy way out and just put a bumper sticker, oh, I'm saved in the name of Jesus. No, I shouted from the rooftops, I am unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'll end with this one. Somebody say the rich man. The rich man died unprepared. The scene is the rich man. Jerusalem. A wealthy man has died. 
came to pay his last, came to pay your last respects. Foolish people. They don't know that the rich man is in hell. Wife is grieved, but she is confronted by the fact that she has been provided for. Foolish woman. Your husband would give all the money for a moment of time to tell you this isn't where you want to be. Hell is not where you want to be. The children are left. Children are left without a father. But they are provided for. Foolish children. Your father, who never prayed in life, who never prayed in life is now saying, man, babies, you don't want to come here. Crowds, they come with flowers, kind words. But none of this is important to the rich man. Because Brother Trevor, he's in agony in hell. And why is he in agony in hell? He was rich. He had everything that he needed. Brother Trevor, his wife, his beautiful wife was provided for. His kids after his death, we're going to have everything they ever wanted. But here's this man. And he's like, none of this is important. Because here I am, I regarded riches more than God. I regarded riches more than my relationship. I regarded hatred and anger and bitterness and all these other things more than I regarded God. But man, everybody's going to be taken care of. Everybody's going to have all they need. I'm gone. But this right here wasn't right. He wasn't prepared. Listen to me. Get it. I get it. And you need to get it too, that my effort every time I preach is to help that somebody will get in the baptistry and get baptized. It is essential for salvation. And my hope is that everybody would repent and be filled with his spirit. But I can't make you do that. Only you can. But just like this man, is the state of your life going to be unprepared? How will you die? Are you going to... Man, I... I had a 401k, I had retirement, I had life insurance, I had a nice house, I had everything, I, I'm good, but my heart was unprepared. I'll do it tomorrow, Pastor. 
I'll pray next time. I'll ask God to forgive me next time. I'll tell you what, those life insurance sellers, are they do a better job than I can do because you've had your life insurance for years and you've asked no questions. You've given your $7.99 or $199 a month for years and there's been no question. Comes out every month. And do you know what that's for? I'm not saying go throw your life insurance away today. But you know what that is for? For the temporal. I'm talking about for eternity. I have gone... gone to the deathbeds of many people in just my short time of serving in the church and a few times since I've become pastor with my wife three years ago. And I've been there here recently. where everybody in the room was, yes, definitely sad that they were losing mama, they were losing wife, they were losing friend and sister. But there was something in the room there was something in the room that I can't explain as I stood outside that hospital room and I saw a sister losing a sister. And I saw sons and stepsons losing a mom. And I saw a husband losing a wife. Yes, there was sadness. But they were sad only for the temporal. Because they knew that mama and sister and wife had made their calling and their election sure. Brother Woolsey, Woolsey, I know how she died. She died loving Jesus Christ. I don't mean to embarrass you, Brother Woolsey. But as I was preparing, I started thinking about the ones. I started thinking about I wasn't there, I wasn't able to go because of the regulations from COVID and all those things, but I know how Brother Jeff Donahue died. He died on fire for God. I talked to him the Thursday before he left this life. Man, he was passionate about the Holy Ghost. He was passionate about coming back to church. He was passionate about, yeah, uh, these nurses, they catch me singing from time to time, Pastor Darren. Yeah, I know they do. There wasn't a time you didn't sing. But I've also been to those places, some of them I didn't know. And the difference between the ones that I've mentioned and those, there was so much agony and they were screaming and 
They were mad, and some of them even said, God, if you're real, you'd fix this. The fact of the matter is, and yes, I'm worried about everybody outside of these build, this building, but I want you to listen to me right now. There's some of you that are in this room, you're living just like that rich man, unprepared. You hadn't submitted to God. Prayer is the last thing on your to-do list of the day. Some of you, I preach a message like this and you'll stay in the pew. Probably won't now because I said something, but you stay in the pew. There's barely a tear that run down, runs down your face. Pastor Darren, do I got to cry to go to heaven? Yeah, you do broken in a contract heart it avails much it gets some stuff inside of you done that only weeping and crying can get done Lord change me that's the last thing on your mind my wife makes enough money my husband makes enough money I've got my kids are going to school they got clothes we got a nice house all this stuff but you're so unprepared that if you were to die today, not because I said so, and I wish that I'd have had time to preach all of it. You're living unprepared. And so I want to make an appeal to everybody in this building. Come to an altar today and say, God, I want to be sure that I know how I'm going to die. I asked this, asked a person this morning, you ready to die? You know how you're going to die? Yes. And I did not have one doubt in my mind. Because you know why? The fruits of this particular person's life tells me that this person knows how they're going to die. Do they feel like they've arrived? Not by any means. But every day they're like, Lord, create in me a clean heart, renew in me a right spirit. God, mold me and shape me, order my steps, do what you will inside of me. Lord, don't let there be malice, don't let there be bitterness, don't let there be hatred, don't let there be anything, don't let there be jealousy. Only you can do something about it. Only you can get on your knees and make up your mind. Only you can make a decision to get baptized in Jesus' name. Only you can ask God to forgive you. I can't do that for you. Are you going to die unprepared? Or are you going to die ready? Are you going to die faithful? Or are you going to die unfaithful? Can you lift your hands and lift your voices all across this building? Come on. Sometimes some things have to die in order for them to live. Sometimes there's got to be some soil that is broken up and some things have to die in order for that flower to bloom. April showers may bring May flowers, ladies and gentlemen, but in order for you to bloom into what God wants you to bloom to, there's some things that must die. Come on, lift your voice all across this building as they begin to sing, as they begin to lift their voices. Come on, don't, don't be an Ananias and Sapphira. Don't be an Ananias and Sapphire that says, oh yeah, this is, 
I've given you enough, Jesus. Here it is. Here's all of it. I've given you all of me. No, no. If you're not going to give him all of you, he'll get you out of the way. He'll move you out of the way. He'll save your family without you. He'll save somebody else without you. Revival will continue on without you. But don't do that. Don't be that way. Say, Lord, I'm going to be faithful. Lord, I'm going to be submissive to your word and to your will. Lord, I'm going to do what you want me to do and not what I want to do. Come on, lift your hands all across this building. I encourage you. I encourage you to pray with somebody, prayer team. I encourage you, sir, ma'am, to pray with each other. Only you know what goes on in the home. I can't find that out. I can't figure that out unless God helps me discern that. I have my suspicions of many homes. I have my suspicions of many people in the house of God. But I don't know for sure. Only you know if you're unprepared. Only you know if you've done things right. Only you know if you're living where you need to live. Come on, create in me a clean heart, God. Renew in me a right spirit. I want to be an advocate for revival. I want to be a part of what's going to happen in our schools. I want to be a part of what's going to happen in Sherman School District. I want to be a part of what's going to happen in Howe School District. I want to be a part of what's going to happen in Duran and Bochita School District. I want to be a part of what's going to happen in Calera. I want to be a part of what's going to happen in Bells and Whitesboro, God. I want to be a part of revival. I don't want to be what damns it up. I don't want to be what stops it. Come on, what is the state that you're going to die in? How is it that you're going to die? Are you going to die jealous? Are you going to die bitter? Come on, have you gone to that individual yet? Have you made things right with that sir yet, that ma'am yet? Come on, you can do it. You can do it with God's help. Come on, lift your voice to him. Lift your voice to him. Come on, man, there's somebody you need to go to. There's somebody you need to talk to today. There's somebody you need to make things right with right now. Holy Spirit, Forgiveness can fix them and you. Come on, you need the Holy Ghost today. Lift your voice. Come on, you need the Holy Ghost today. Lift your voice to him.